Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. Hey there, everyone. Just before we get started with today's episode, we have another promo from our good friends over at G-Kids for the latest film in the Ghibli Fest screening for 2019. And this month's screening is going to be one of um, Hayao Miyazaki's beloved classic film, My Neighbor Totoro. For those of you who are not familiar with this film, when Satsuki and her sister Mei move in with their father to a new home in the countryside, they find country life is not as simple as it seems. They soon discover that the house and nearby woods are full of strange and delightful creatures, including a giant but gentle forest spirit called Totoro, who can only be seen by the children. This classic tale of magic will be in theaters for three days only on August 25th, 26th, and 28th, so be sure to grab your seats at GibliFest.com. And there will also be uh, featuring a special introduction of the film by Daniel Chong, who is the creator of We Bear Bears. So yeah, if you're ready, if you want to go see My Neighbor Totoro in theaters, go ahead and get your tickets right, at, right away. And with that, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the AFA Podcast, the official podcast for AnimationForAdults.com. My name is Rachel, and joining me today is Chris. Hello. Hello. It's just going to be the two of us today because we had a really uh, awesome chance to see some films uh, that were actually recommended of viewing for us by our good friends over at the uh, Fantasia Festival. They actually opened up a, gave us a chance to uh, access their screening room, which gave access to a bunch of their different films and shorts, and we. And we're very lucky to get a chance to see a couple films that we would like to talk about today. Um, the one that's the most prominent that we're going to start off with um, that we're really excited about because uh, it was a uh, film that was recently acquired by G Kids, and that's actually um, they haven't announced, as far as I understand, a specific uh, date that they'll be screening this film, but it should be coming sometime later this year, probably in the fall, closer to the winter. And this is a Chinese film. Uh, by the name of White Snake. Um, it was directed by Ant Wong and Zhao Zhi. Um, and I believe the studio name is, let me give, double check, uh, make sure I've got the list, the name here. Hold on. It's just, it is called Light Chaser Animation Studios. This is their second film uh, that they've released. The first one being Little Door Gods. Uh, if you haven't seen that film, um, it is available on Netflix. So I highly recommend checking that out. But we are here to talk about White Snake, um, as well as another film that we had a chance to see, uh, Birthday Wonderland, which was directed by Keiji Hada, 
um, the same director who directed Miss um, Hokusai, which we've we've done a previous podcast episode and review of on the website. So definitely check the, that um, those out and see if you can uh, find access, access to that film because it was a very, very well done film. But yeah, let's start with White Snake. So yeah, um, Chris, would you, you want to kind of give your uh, first opinions on the film overall before we get into some of the details? Yeah, um, well, I think we should probably start by saying that it is based apparently on like a very well-known Chinese folk tale mm-hmm. uh, that is uh, has been adapted into numerous films and TV series. And mm-hmm. um, it was actually adapted into an, an animated film in Japan, most famously, I think. Um, right, okay in a Toei animation called Tale of the White Serpent in 1958. Um, mm-hmm. And that one apparently has a lot of influence on a young Miyazaki. And, oh, yes, I believe we've talked about this before in one of our um, Ghibli discussions. So um, it's got a got kind of interesting uh, um, pedigree in that sense. Mm-hmm. And it's apparently supposed to be more of a prequel to that story, but I don't, I'm not familiar with the um, legend, really, to be honest. Are you at all? Neither am I, unfortunately. So, I, for those of you who might be a bit more uh, knowledgeable, um, you know, we might either get names wrong or there might be certain tidbits or details about this original myth that we don't have access to or just haven't had chance to experience yet. So apologies if we do get things wrong. Um, but just taking this as a film, you know, it, it's, I mean, if you get the, in long story short, to kind of get uh, across what this is, it's a, it's a love story. The, the tale of this, you know, presented in this film is a love story between this woman who is basically this um, part of this, I think what they call them again, it was uh, like a serpent, serpent um, race of like monsters or I would say demons. I think they're typically, it was the term that they used in the subtitles. Um, Yeah. They're they're supposed to be demons, but they are um, serpent form. Most of the demons mm -hmm. in this particular tribe or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. But they're and when when and when we say demons, they're uh, they're non-human. But at the same time, that they aren't necessarily a malicious. They don't seem like openly malicious. When you say demon in uh, like Asian folktale, mm-hmm. I think demon is you know just the translation that we use, or whatever. But I don't think it is. Um, you know, it's got the same connotations. Mm-hmm. As demon, you know, we think of demon as something from hell or whatever. But yeah, little guy with little guy with horns who with a pitchfork, that kind of thing. Yeah, but what they just mean is is uh, you know non-human sort of mystical creature. Yeah, uh, uh, something that is one with nature, part of the land. You know, uh, just something beyond our you know beyond human comprehension, or at least different. It's it's kind of like how in Japanese things they'll try like like Totoro they'll be like uh, you know the the best way to translate it might be ghost or spirit or whatever but it isn't it's not the same as what we think of as a ghost 
Or, yeah, and you could even compare it to um, the uh, the animals that you see in uh, Princess Mononoke, too. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that... So the story follows uh, one member of this uh, this snake tribe, uh, who she's a white snake, and I think the way was the, the Blanca is her name. Yeah, Blanca, and she uh, currently in this like kind of fantasy inspired world of this fairy tale. Um, this emperor is harvesting or catching snakes, like live snakes, to use in these uh kind of like dark rituals or dark magic and she is tasked with assassinating this emperor but the assassination goes awry and she is cast out down a river um to wash up at the in a village of these snake catchers which is where she meets the main uh the main gentleman uh protagonist along with uh her i'm sure it was, uh, juan I believe is how you pronounce his name. Yes. Yes, that's where she meets him. And it's the two go on a journey together to basically figure out, because I think she's lost her memory. Is yes, because they, one, uh, you know, as is typical in these stories, mm-hmm. the demons can take on human form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she appears uh, as, a, as a beautiful woman dressed in a white robe. Of course she does. Yes, and, of course she does. And, uh, but she doesn't remember that she was once a snake demon or she is a snake demon. She's just say, Oh yeah, I don't know who I am. Oh, I'm this pretty <laughs> That's lady. Convenient. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, if, if you've heard of this kind of story before, we can obviously, you can get the idea where this is going, but at the same time, I think there, one thing I enjoyed about this film is that there were lots of unexpected twists to it. At least there were, um, it, it handled that whole, you know, concept of her having amnesia and not remembering who she was. That was, it felt like that was almost discarded just as quickly as it was presented because very quickly she starts getting memories back and remembering who she is. And I think that only, she only fully remembers by like the halfway point in the film or like even less than that. But, you know, um, there is the idea that, you know, because of this emperor doing all these, this, you know, the dark magic with the, you know, the use of the snakes puts him and the people that he serves in, con- you know, in conflict with her clan. And so the whole, the, those two forces are going against each other and kind of building into this huge uh, conflict. Whereas these two, these two star-crossed lovers are caught in the middle. <laughs> But even like the whole thing, like, oh gosh, I feel like I, I need to be careful if I'm because I'm not sure if there's stuff I want to spoil or anything in terms of the plot. But um, I have to say this film is in terms of the design and the just look of it is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. I, I really like it. Especially the designs of these like these these uh, the snake clan was really clever. Very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, the, the character designs are just really good. Um, mm-hmm. They've got sort of a distinctive look. I think there was one character we definitely want to talk about, not necessarily a spoiler, but it, it probably, of the character designs, probably the most fascinating, is at one point in their journey, they become across a uh, kind of like a demon workshop or smithy. Yeah. And um, the owner or runner of the of this place is a 
seems to be some kind of fox spirit uh, who, again, comes in the form of a pretty uh, loosely dressed young woman. But the cool part of her design is that her head, she can basically reverse her head and just basically what looks like an actual hat is not a hat or a mask. It's a actual fox face. That basically when that bit happened, that was a bit where I was like, yes, I am thoroughly on board with this film. I am thoroughly, I am thoroughly on board with this film, and if this and that this character shows up more often. I mean, I was I was already enjoying it, but sort of when that bit happened, I was like, right, there we go. That's, um, <laughs> no, that. I don't even remember what that character's name was, or if she even had a name. But I, she was probably one of the best parts of the film because she was definitely one of those like morally ambiguous kind of character who's who's helping you out, but you know that she could just as easily turn on you. Yeah, I, I think she hasn't got, like, a pro- proper character name. She's just, like, Foxy Woman or Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> and her workshop was fantastic. I think next to all these, like, really beautiful, uh, like, almost storybook kind of picture of, like, these uh, this, China, you know, mountainous region in China um, where, the, um, where Juan's village is found, like, you know, literally just built into the mountains with all these different bridges and really well-designed stuff. But her, like if taking that and then juxtaposing it with the wackiness and surreal look of the um, workshop where they go to and meet this uh, fox demon is amazing. And and she had like little minion creature things as well that were also really cool. I'm trying to, that, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen the film, so I'm trying to remember what they looked like off the top of my head. You might have, do you think you can remember? Because, but they, I do remember being entertained by them too. But they no, weren't like, I, I can't remember specifically, but I do remember <laughs> that they were, they were fun as well. You would think that within a world where some of the most popular characters are literally minions, we would have, we'd be able to remember the design a bit better. I mean, they, they were, lit, they, you know, they were pretty small and I think they were maybe like in, in like their, um, like human form as like little squat bald men or something. Yeah. Okay. Now it's, now it's, yeah, kind of sort of coming back to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, yeah. The movie makes some twists, you know, has some twists and turns to it. I think for, like you said, if you're familiar with the idea that this is a, a story of these star-crossed lovers who are separated by conflict and, you know, whether or not they can be together because demon and person, et cetera, you know, and human, but it's, you see where it's going, but it, the, to the film's strength is that it, even though, you know, you can kind of see where it's going, you still enjoy all the visuals and all the aspects of what make this a unique movie. And part of the reason why it is a classic story for, you know, in a classic Chinese tale. But yeah, and it's, I'm really, I'm happy that this is getting a wider release because normally it's, I don't know, it's, it feels like this was one of the first like Chinese animated films that are getting a big screen release, at least that I'm aware of. The only other one I can think of that got a fairly big release was um, Big Fish and Begonia, which was right. uh, 2D animated and was very heavily inspired by Ghibli, sort of. But this this is, obviously, it's different because it's CG and everything. Um, there was also, I, I really liked the 
one of the other really prominent characters is um, um, the sister, who is Green Snake. Yeah, or Verda, I think but, yeah. the, the, her name popped up in the subtitles. But yeah, she's yeah, literally Blanca is the white snake, Verda is her sister. Yeah, and she she was cool, a very cool character. Yeah, I am um, before I really knew where the film was going because mm-hmm. I know I know you say it's a pretty obvious um, mm-hmm. sort of star-crossed love story, story, but I didn't really know that when I was watching it at first. Okay. I thought maybe it was it was going to have more of an emphasis on the sisterly relationship, whatever. Oh, and okay. It does start with that a bit, and it does come back. Um, it still does. It still, their bond does turn out to be very important. But, oh, yeah. And also, I I like like the contrasting designs and everything. Oh, absolutely. Yes, the white. You know, when when they're in their human form. Uh, yeah. She's a lot, you know, uh, White Blanca is a lot softer and more delicate, whereas uh, uh, Verda is, you know, like she's got this really cool armor on and she frequently goes back and forth between kind of like her standard human look and her more serpentine attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I want to make something clear when, I, when, I, when I'm saying that this is a predictable story, that's... I, I don't mean to make that sound as a, as a detriment to the film because it's based on a classic tale. Like yeah. that's, that's, you know, it's classic for a reason. It's, it's a bit like saying that, you know, a, a Disney fairy tale is a bit, bit predictable or whatever. It's, yeah. It's kind of, sometimes it's just fun to have, a, a more traditional story, but it does put twists on it and stuff. And oh yeah, and, and then I'd say that those those because of those twists and the fact that I think it's a really good introduction to this particular Chinese tale. If you're not familiar with it, makes it worth seeing. And I I really liked all the all like all the Chinese ness of it. Cause, <laughs> cause the fact I, that it seems so steeped in Chinese culture. Yeah, because I'm I'm basically I don't know what the um, I, I'm really into sort of you know Far Eastern mm-hmm. culture generally, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm a bit of a whatever the uh, Chinese equivalent of a weeaboo is. So, <laughs> so I, I I you know I always love like martial arts films and and this is um this is like got a lot of do you say it wuxia. Is that how you say it? Do you know the expression? I don't think I'm familiar with it. The uh, type of films that is um, basically things like Hero and uh, The House of Flying Daggers and things like that. Oh, okay. Now I think I see where you... Yeah, okay. Um, I'm, they're, they're kind of like um, a particular type of sort of supernatural martial arts Film, oh, okay. Yeah. Featuring ghosts and demons and people doing kung fu and flying and stuff. I didn't realize that had a, that had a specific name. That's really cool. Wushu. I think that's how you say it, but it's like W W U X I A. Okay, gotcha. But that's how it's pronounced. All right, that's yeah. Because I, I mean, completely there's... wrong. You know me and my pronunciation. 
<laughs> if if we've mispronounced that, we're sorry. We're trying to be as accurate as we can. Um, but yeah, I think there was another character design, or at least if we're talking about that aspect, then more of the magical aspect of it. Wasn't there like one, um, I forget what his name was, but he was like a priest or something in this film. And he had a very, a lot of his, um, you know, spells and his, like he conjured up all these different like creatures, primarily birds and cranes to kind of go with the whole, you know, snake hunter vibe. Was he, was he uh, like one of the, um, one of them, the, uh, using that word again, minions of the, um, as the emperor? Oh, yeah. He was one of like his like right hand man or something. Yeah. Yeah. He was like the lead. He was like, you, you don't, you basically hardly see like the, um, the main emperor guy. Do you? He's like basically like shadowy thing and he's. Mm-hmm, a shadowy uh, threat. Yeah. And he's, uh, the person you see is mainly this priest guy. Yeah, and he... He's like the I, Sheriff of Nottingham, or whatever he's the... <laughs> no, uh, you're exactly right. He's like, he basically is the Sheriff of Nottingham. Like, I I do the bidding of the king, and I do terrible things because I am evil. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Also, I have birds. Lots and lots of birds. They're not real birds, but they're like paper... Not like, not literally, literally a crane, like, you know, like the paper crane kind of thing, but it's as close as we can get to it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it was wild. It was, a lot of the fight sequences in this uh, film were really, really outstanding. I enjoyed a lot of, especially when we started dealing with, um, and for people who see the poster know that, like, we're going to see Blanca and her, in her serpent form, and we get to see a lot of really cool fights take place with you know, half half snake people, giant snakes, these magical cons- bird constructs, and Juan getting a dog tail out of nowhere. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> there is also a a talking dog. We that do. was re- and of all the film of all the different like magical aspects of the film. That seemed the most random to me, and I don't know why. Well, he he just he had a um, dog with him. And then later in the film, the dog becomes a magical talking dog. Uh, <laughs> and one of the interesting things about that is the fact that he doesn't want to be a talking dog. He's like, why am I talking? This is bad. I don't like it. <laughs> Which is novel, I thought. Yeah, that was, I, I like that they just kind of brought that out of, you know, basically just, she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to have this ability. I like being the way I was. And he he was like a bit of a nervous dog to start off with, and mm-hmm. he's uh, he didn't want to follow his master to all, on on all his adventures. But he did anyway because he's yeah. a loyal dog. Yep, and he's a very cute dog too. He's like a little um, I don't know what breed he is, but I've I yeah, of... I forget what the breed's name is, but it's like this really soft kind of lightish brown fur, curly tail, um, almost kind of like almost like what we'd think. I would attribute to like I say a husky, but um, yeah, that I was thinking sort of husky or a Japanese or a Japanese uh, Akita dog. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably some Chinese Chinese breed, wouldn't it be? It, I would, that would make sense. Now what? Yeah, but I but I, unfortunately I can't think of it off the top of my head. So apologies. I'm no dog expert, so I have no idea. It, Neither it, am I. That's what I can say. 
But this is a really solid film. I'm really super happy that this is a film that G-Kids has acquired and that they're going to give a wide opportunity to be seen. So if you are, um, I think the, the the announcement as to where it will be coming out has yet to be announced. So if you are a, if you usually enjoy films that are being uh, put out there by G-Kids, um, then stay tuned to their website. We'll leave a link to the show notes, specifically to the page uh, regarding this film. And as soon as news uh, comes out about where it's going to be screening and when, it will we'll make sure to keep you informed. Um, I'm I'm really happy to have got to see this because it was not on my radar very long ago. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it and been very impressed with it. And I'm hoping lots of other people will get to see it as well. And I know that it, it I hope it gets a it should do gets a decent dub from G Kids when they release it because I think that will help it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Oh, one one other interesting thing to mention about it is that it's not it's not a kiddie film. No, it is not. No, it is absolutely not, and there's it, a good reason why. It's definitely aimed at some more uh, older audience because there is a bit of um, there, there's there's violent stuff, but there's also there's also some saucy bits. Yeah, well, we say it's a love story. There, there's there's just you know you know there's it's the full full extent of that so mm-hmm. yeah definitely not a film you want to take the little ones to but i would say if you're just looking for a nice classic love tale to be you know with a beautiful animation uh from a different culture that you want to maybe experience a bit more then i would highly recommend white snake and definitely um send some more support for uh for light chaser animation studios because like you said this is all their only their second film and if this is what they have on their second go, I really want, I'm looking forward to see what they want to make in the, in the future. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see more from them in the future, definitely. And then also having uh, Little Door Gods, their first film, being available on Netflix to watch. So if you're wanting to see what, get before going to see this film, just go and check out Little Door Gods on Netflix if you want to get an idea what the studio is capable of. Isn't it? Called the Guardian Brothers on Netflix. Is that yes? Um, it, okay, you make, you make sure I clarify that. Yeah. So it, the the main name of the film is called Little Door Gods, but it is uh, does go by a different name on Netflix, and that is the Guardian Brothers. So just just keep that in mind when you're looking for the film, so that way you aren't like typing Little Door Gods into Netflix. It's like, but I can't find it. <laughs> There's a reason why it's a different under a different name. But yeah, so that's White Snake. And the other film that I had, I only had a chance to watch two of the films that we uh, uh, got screenings for. But um, the other one that we had a chance to see, that we both saw, is a film directed, yeah, we mentioned um, Birthday Wonderland. So we'll start going into that. And I was very, I think of the films we had an opportunity to see, I was the most intrigued by this one because I really, really enjoyed uh, Miss Hokusai. And um, so I was excited to see what the director of that film was going to do next. And, but I admit, as we started going through it, as beautiful as it was right off the get-go, this is definitely probably, this is as beautiful as Hokusai looked. This, I think, trounced, I don't know, I wouldn't say trounced it, but like, there's definitely been a lot more, like, this is, this felt like this film was like just bursting with life and, uh, Pizzazz. I was say pizzazz, but I'm not sure if that was that's the word I'm looking for. But just it was very, very charming, very full of life sort of film. Um, but I wasn't so 
on board with the story right away, at least until we met a specific character. And I think you know who I'm talking about, uh, Chris. Yeah, well, it was, um, like you say, it's, I was like really blown away by the, and how beautiful it was to start off with. Just, Mm -hmm. just like within, you know, within a couple of minutes, I was like, wow, this is one really good looking film. And it was just, um, but you know, starting so just this teenage girl living her life, being a bit of a, being a bit of a pain really, wasn't she? Yeah, that's, I I wasn't, I think that was probably what made this film so hard to get on board with because I did, uh, the main character is this girl named Akane, um, who is a girl who really is just kind of, she complains a lot and she's really bored and with her current surroundings and she's just very irritable. So she wasn't a character to really get, you know, I didn't really enjoy her very much, but her aunt, on the other hand, who I don't think has ever really given an actual name, they just call her like aunt something. Um, who kind of runs this, um, what's, what would you call like a, not like really an antique shop or just kind of like a, a what? Her name is Chi. Chi. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Chi is my favorite character because she is this world traveler who has all these little knickknacks that she has in this store, um, from her, from her travels. And as soon as as in typical Wonderland fashion, when the young lass Akana is about to be whisked away to this magical otherworldly place that apparently is under the, under the, the floorboard of this, or her Aunt Chi's uh, store, you know, as she's getting whisked away, um, Chi is like, hold on, let me grab my bag and just runs. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm so ready for this trip. Yeah. And also she's, uh, when Chi finds out about this other place, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's another world connected to our world, like we get in films and TV. Yeah, I understand what that is. <laughs> no, he's like, I've heard this over and over again. It's, it's, this is so cliche. And then once she finds out, it's like, oh, no, wait, you're serious. Hot damn, let me get my travel bag. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't quite think of the way to describe her shop. It was just like, oh, that shop. Just, very eclectic, just yeah. very lots of strange little bits and bobs. Like there's a, she sells this guy a, like um, a crystal lamp or something. And mm. as he's trying to like get inspiration for like playing a violin, which we see him later in the film as the film comes back, comes full circle. Um, so her mom sends Akane to the shop to visit her birthday present. Cause this is her, her own, birthday yeah, the next day. To get her birthday present. And then out of this, out of this um, trapdoor in the shop comes this dapperly just gentleman called Hippocrates. Hippocrates. Yeah, and he's got a little miniature sidekick thing. Who is absolutely adorable, by the way. I love that little guy's design. His name's Pippo, I think is his, is his name. Yep. And he's like a little, like almost like I wouldn't say fairy, but just like a like it's just a very tiny. Like he only comes up to like your ankle. He's mm-hmm. so tiny. Oh, and um, the reason they come out of this this uh, door is because Akana gets her hand stuck in this this handprint thing, mm-hmm. which basically uh, 
tells the people who are in this other world that she is the chosen one, basically. She is, yeah, yeah. They have a name for it, um, something of the wind or something. I don't the know. The goddess of the green wind. The goddess of the green wind. That was it. Um, and yeah, so it's a bit arbitrary. It's like, okay, so your your hand gets stuck in this thing. That means you're destined to save our world and please come with us. And Akane is just like, I know, I don't want to go. But then they make her go by, I think was one of the funniest ways of, like, what was it? He makes like a spell or something, a necklace that goes under over her neck and basically only makes her walk forward or at least or move forward. Yeah, and she's like, and I'm coming too. <laughs> There's no way I'm missing this. No, and considering that this is has this, t- the film has Wonderland in the title. I was curious to see what kind of exactly what Wonderland we would be getting in it. I mean, it's not as out there as say actual Alice in Wonderland, but I think it's still enough out there that it but that it makes itself unique. Like we have. Uh, giant sh- these sheep that are huge and <laughs> also adorable that just apparently are like what's it the first town that they get to is it seems like a relatively normal like farming town but it's just they're the sheep are just huge it, it, it's just got these really random elements like giant sheep and uh, also you can just drive around in a car. That's fine, apparently. Yeah, um, you've, got, you've got cars here. There are cars. There are giant sheep. There is a armored tank in the shape of a mouse. Yep. Uh, they, that's they, causing they, problems. They say, oh, it's just the armored mouse, you know. Just like everyone. Yeah, just, the just off mouse. the cuff. Just, just off the cuff. Like, yeah, that's totally normal. Um, and it's driven by this guy with, like, a scary skull mask. He was my favorite design of the yeah. whole movie, like pants down. Absolutely. Like him and his little sidekick buddy, who looks like this like really mischievous like cat sidekick, but like he walks on two legs and like what's 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 the word I'm I'm trying to think of? He I don't know. It's just like they seem like just these two troublemakers. Like obviously the main what's his name again? Like does he even get a name? With the main bad guy. Yeah, I'm I'm so terrible with names today. I'm so sorry, everyone. Okay, I don't I don't think he has a name to be honest. <laughs> he ha- oh. he, he's just a sinister skull guy. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a fantastic twist with him in the end, and I absolutely adore that because it's it's one thing that you'll notice when he he and the other character introduced like they definitely present themselves as the antagonists of the story. Yeah. But they're not open. I guess they're, they're they're causing trouble for sure. But they're not exactly malicious. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Like they have scuffles. Well, I would say scuffles. They have encounters with our our protagonists here, and obviously are both after two very different things. Or they're going to have a like they're going to have a conflict later on in the film. But he's just very like laid back and not really like. Or is he not laid back? Apathetic, I would yeah. say. He seems very apathetic to everything that's going on around him or the people he encounters. And there's a reason for that, and they get into that later on in the film, but I dare not spoil it. Because that was the big thing that I'm like, ooh, I'm really happy the film's going this way. But it's, it's kind of unusual for, like, the, um, the, the sort of kid protagonist to have an adult chaperone with them. 
Yeah, that that's always a joy, especially when the adult chaperone is acting more like a child than the actual young young adult person. Yeah, the the adult chaperone basically wants to go on the adventure, and the the kids just like, no, I don't wanna, <laughs> don't make me go. <laughs> but fortunately, fortunately, Akane does grow out of that as the further in the film we go. But it's it's still a great. They have a wonderful dynamic between her and she. Mm-hmm. Like she is literally like Akane wakes up one morning when they've already been in the the sheep village and she's looking for Chi and then she looks out the window and she's doing literally sun salutation yoga right in the middle of all these poofy cotton ball looking sheep. And I'm like, that is, that is my hero right there. <laughs> there's also some bits with giant lily pads and then there's giant lily pads and fish and weird bridges. And also it's, it's, it's just like it could be called like random land. It's just so <laughs> Yeah, like put it through like a word like a word randomizer, like just like just have like get those random words and then just mush them all together and that's what you get. You just get this this fantasy world. But it still has a even as random as it is, it still feels like it has it gets held together by some kind of logic. Mm-hmm. So that way, that way doesn't feel so random that nothing's tied together. There is actually a society with a story to tell or like a a problem that needs to be solved, um, which feels concrete, which I like. There's like one bit where somebody basically just explains like, oh, in our world, when they invented the steam engine, things didn't change so rapidly or something. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. Basically... Yeah, when they invented the steam engine, that they basically just stayed there. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't evolve. They didn't evolve to any other forms of technology or electricity. It's just they did that, and then well, right, we've made it. That's it, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no need to go any further. <laughs> Which I th- I thought was a really fun idea. I like that that they had that little scene description. Like, yeah, yeah, we we just we just stopped at the steam engine. <laughs> We didn't see the need of going any further and inventing things. And it's not an idyllic world either. There's still, like I said, there's definitely problems. You got those two guys running around who are collecting uh, metal from the looks of it. They're running around from place to place, like tearing up bridges, buildings, um, kind of just like salvaging scrap for some, for some purpose, which is revealed slowly through the film. Um, but, you know, also aside from that, it looks like there are just like not nice parts of, you know, just not good parts of the world. Like we see a lot of the nicer bits, like in like the, the, the sheep village and the place with the, uh, the, the fish. But then you also have this really kind of metropolis, um, kind of like factory looking area where a lot looks like a lot of like, you know, scumbags go to hang out. So it, it's like I said, it's random, but it it also has a bit of uh, you know, I would say logic to it. I I use logic in like the loosest term. Hmm. I think of the two films, I really did enjoy White Snake, but I'm really hoping that this film in particular gets a wider release. Though it has, as of right now, it has not been uh, announced as much that we will be getting uh, this by you know, it, it, no one's picked this up yet, or I believe it's still on the it's still on the film circuit because we it was part of the Fantasia Festival, 
um, which is how we were able to see this film. But I believe it should be showing up on another one. I believe you mentioned, um, Chris, what next uh, festival it might be screening at. I think it's going to screen at Scotland Loves Anime, um, mm-hmm. which is in October, I think. Um, but I, w- I would have thought, considering Keiichi Hara is quite a big name, this would um, get a wider release at some point. I I wouldn't be surprised if um, either G-Kids or Eleven Arts or someone like that picked it up for the US. Because mm-hmm. I think it'd be... It deserves like a a um I I always think I know not everyone likes it, but I always think it's good to have a film dubbed because it'll be seen by a wider audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Oh, I actually just looked up an interesting bit of uh tidbit of information. I'm not sure if you were aware of this already. That um this movie is the story of it is based off of a a children's book that came out in 1988. Um, I don't dare pronounce the Japanese version because I'm probably going to uh, uh, literal translation of the name because I'm going to butcher it. But it translates to Strange Journey from the Basement, which uh, was very heavily inspired by the uh, original Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It, yeah. It is a strange journey from a basement. It literally exactly what it says on the tin. But um, the thing about the look of the film and the beautiful designs is that they are designed by, I think he's Russian uh, artist called oh. Ilya Kushinov, mm-hmm. um, who's very well known online, like on sites, on Twitter and on DeviantArt, things like that. Mm-hmm does very beautiful um, art. Mainly, it has to be said, of pretty girls, uh, mm-hmm. which he does very well. And uh, that's, you know, that's, you kind of get the impression that's where his interests are with the art, the design in this as well. Um, but he's he's moved it. This is the first film he's worked on. And mm-hmm. he's also doing the designs for the new Ghost in the Shell series on... Oh that. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's why it looks so beautiful. <laughs> yes, that is that is for absolute uh certain. So um and I have to say absolute, you know, standing ovation applause with the work that he did that he did on this movie. This it's it's so good. Also shout out for Akane's cat. <laughs> yeah, that cat. Oh right. There were if there was other elements of the fantasy world we forgot to talk about. There were big, large talking cats in this as well, and one looks extremely like the her cat, which is I not surprised by. Hmm. Yeah, she she's just teasing her cat a bit at the um, beginning of the film, and then it comes back later in the film where the uh, cat decides to get its revenge. Uh, yep, yep, get revenge because you don't you don't mess with a cat like that and don't expect to get a little payback. Nope. But yeah, definitely um, keep your eye on this one if you have an opportunity to do so. We're hopefully um, we're hoping that it will get a wider release. But until then, let's all keep our fingers crossed that it does. It does screen under various different titles, though. I think at Fantasia it just screened screened under the under Wonderland, mm-hmm. but the actual copy we had the um the screener i think it said birthday wonderland on it 
Yeah, um, Birthday Wonderland. Yeah, it depends where you watch it. Um, so it might come out under the title Birthday Wonderland or just The Wonderland. Uh, I, I prefer the title Birthday Wonderland because it's just got a bit more bit more to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a whole extra word, that is. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll make sure we'll leave, for both White Snake and this film, we'll make sure to leave links to the trailers. So all the visuals and stuff that we're talking about, you can have a, actually have a chance to um, to actually look at it and see see it for yourself. Yeah, because it definitely looked better in motion. Oh, absolutely. Like, nothing that I've said, like, does the film's visuals justice, I think. So I will make sure that you guys have an opportunity to get a chance to look at and see for yourself. Yeah, it'd definitely be a nice film to get a chance to see on a big screen, for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's true for White Snake as well, because obviously we, we were watching uh, remote screeners, which is a fantastic opportunity to have to be able to watch a film festival from thousands of miles away. But obviously, if you get the chance to see it on a big screen, you should jump at it. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I think we have one more film to talk about, but unfortunately I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, it's called Away, but Chris, you did have a chance to watch it. Yeah, this film has become particularly notable because of um, it's, well, the story behind it. The fact mm-hmm. that it's made by one man on his own. Oh boy! It's it's a, it's a full feature, and it is uh, animated, written, edited, directed, and scored by one fella. Oh my god! I, I again, I apologise profusely if I'm getting the pronunciation wrong, but he is he is a director from Latvia by the name of Gintz. Zilba uh, Dollis. Okay. And he's made short films before, but this is his first um, feature, and it's actually adapted from one of his past features. Okay, gotcha. And this film has been doing pretty well at, on the festival circuit. It um, screened at this year's Annecy, and it got awarded the Contrachamp Award at the Annecy Festival. Oh, wow. And it it received its North American premiere as part of Fantasia Festival. Very cool. So do you any? Uh, can you try? Do you how? It's been a while. So, I, do you think you can give us like a slight synopsis or your impression of it? Oh, I, I could definitely tell you. Yeah. Um, basically, it's got a very simple story. Um, it's just got a a young guy who um, gets. Uh, Presumably from a plane crash or something, it gets uh, uh, stranded alone on an island. Uh, and basically you first beat him hanging from a tree by his parachute. Oh boy. But then then you see this sort of sinister dark giant figure coming towards him. Hmm. And basically it's the story of him like just try to get to the other side of the island and, and find a way off it. Hmm. But it's done without any dialogue. <laughs> so we didn't, oh, have that's hire, cool. didn't have to hire any actors. You know, you've just got one central character, uh, although he does have a, um, a little bird comes and joins him for quite a lot of the film. Who <laughs> mm-hmm. also doesn't talk, just peeps. Um, and it's a cute little bird. And it's done... Um, 
and it's basically you know just him on this strange island so it's not a lot of plot to talk about mm-hmm. but there's some really amazing imagery the most uh uh of most notable piece of imagery you might have seen pictures of it or, or video of it which is um there's a it's like a lake that is um a reflecting surface surface oh wow and uh the the main character finds a motorbike handily and he mm-hmm. drives across the island. And so he's driving along across this uh, reflective sur- surface that's mm-hmm. reflecting the sky and there's a, there's a, um, a flock of birds. Oh, wow. So they're flying over him and reflected under him as he's flying across. And it's really amazing. That's neat. It's all done with uh, CG. It's sort of... Um, Sort of cell shady sort of look. It hasn't got okay. um, hasn't got uh, strong lines on it or anything. So, so it's definitely one of the the better cases of the um, of computer generated animation that has kind of going for that like the two D look. <laughs> and it is um, the actual animation quality is quite. It's it's not like the smoothest animation you'll ever see, but it you know. It's understandable thing it's done by one bloke and it's it's not you know, it's not so herky jerky that it puts you off or anything. It's just like you just mm-hmm. might notice it's not the best quality ever, but it looks really good still. Uh, All right. and it sort of made me think it it reminded me of a couple of things and it kind of I'm this isn't a an insult in anything when I say that it reminded me quite a lot of games. Hmm. Interesting. Because it reminded me of sort of like a particular type of indie game that sort of more arty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, I can understand that. And also the, the visual style reminded me a bit of uh, like Breath of the Wild as well. Oh, Cool. And also just, you know, the whole plot. Um, of him. Yeah, get, travel from point A to point B, which is, a, if you've played Breath of the Wild, knows, I'll, know, should know, that's a lot of what Breath of the Wild is all about. And it's, it's split into chapters as well, so it's almost like levels. <laughs> so, you know, there were times when I was kind of expecting any moment to have to take over control. It's <laughs> 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 my controller. Uh, I I don't mean that as an insult in any way. I know you know sort of stuffy critics would be like, "Oh, this film's a bit like a video game. It's a lesser art. It's not like not like proper art like films are." And I I don't mean it like that at all. I just mm-hmm. I mean you know that's probably just one of the influences on it, and that's that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. If it all the better for it. So. Yeah, those are the films that we had a chance to see, but there were a lot of really awesome films that were uh, screening at Fantasia International. Um, some of which, unfortunately, though, we didn't get a chance to see them, but are uh, big talking points. Um, Promare was uh, being uh, shown there. I think that's one of the final films. It was the closing night gala. Yeah, oof. I, I really can't wait to see that. It's September, can't get here fast enough for, for me to see that film. Um, and then also there is the um, Masaki Yuasa film that is uh, we're excited to see, uh, Ride Your Wave. 
Oh yeah, definitely. And there's one other film that I'm trying to, I'll have to look into seeing the, um, if there's a trailer for it, uh, Human Lost is another uh, particular film that I'm curious, that I think I did not have a chance to see, but I, I'm curious to check it out. It is a, from my understanding, let me double check and make sure I have my notes here, a cyberpunk thriller. That which is, sounds awesome. It sounded sort of like old school Ghost in the Shell type mm-hmm. anime to me. Um, and they did actually, at the festival, they always... They give out awards for the, um, for animation films. They have a Satoshi Kon Award for excellence in animation. Ah, okay. And uh, I, I can tell you this year's winners um, out of okay. that impressive lineup. Um, Ride Your Wave was named best animated feature film. So that's, that's not surprising. Yeah, and Human Loss was given special mention. Cool, yeah. I'm looking at the, uh, yeah, the trailer is available, so I'll make sure to include that in the link uh, here. But it is, yeah, it's very, very interesting. It's all, um, again, computer-generated animation, but it's got that 2D look to it. Mm -hmm. And um, animated short film, the winner was uh, First Class, which is a South Korean short. And Mm -hmm. the special mention went to Giant Bear. Aha. Which is the one that's described as like an Inuit Godzilla. So <laughs> that sounds pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that big thank you to uh, the folks at uh, Fantasia International Film Festival who reached out to us and gave us an opportunity to see these movies because they were a lot of fun. We're really excited to see them get wider releases and hopefully have more people enjoy them because we definitely did. And yeah, that basically kind of wraps up our discussion on, on that. So yeah, definitely we'll keep a list of the film. We'll leave a link because we had the list of the films that were going to be presented at this uh, particular festival in an article on the website. We'll leave a link to that in the show notes and including any and all trailers that we, um, that we have access to for them. So that way, if you're not familiar with any of these films or what they look like, that way you can get an idea of what they look like, what they're about. So you can keep an eye on them yourself. Yeah, and hopefully some of them you'll get to catch at other festivals if you get a chance to go to them. Absolutely, yeah. Much, the much you know, case in point for that uh, and then next festi- film festival that will be having Wonderland. Definitely check that out. All right, and there's any, there's not too much else, I think, in terms of the things, but we do want to, um, there is something I do want to talk about, though, because a certain someone has finally had a chance to access uh uh, more of a particular show that we've talked about quite a great deal on this podcast and you've had a chance to watch it Chris at long last more beyond the first episode and that is Disney's DuckTales which I do believe is just got greenlit for another season another uh, full season awesome yeah I finally got to watch the DuckTales reboot I've been waiting since well since they announced it and I haven't had access to it I I hadn't Aside even from the first the first episode, which was available on YouTube. I didn't even get to see that because it wasn't available to me. Yeah. No. Oh my god! So I haven't seen any of it. I've just been listening to everyone going on about how great it is, and just going, oh, "It's not fair." Why can't <laughs> it? 
But now, at long last, you finally have access to watching it. And how, let me ask you, how far are you into the into the show so far? Because there is actually a plot going on in this show, as you've just no doubt discovered. Well, I've only got access currently to, I think, the first 14 episodes. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm trying to ration myself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm up to about eight or something. But looking at... I was looking at like the listing on IMDb and uh, the order is slightly different to the yes. order I've got. So I'm not quite sure. I think maybe they, the, air, the air order was different. It was, was. It got messed around a little bit because there was a certain sequence of episodes that were supposed to be released in order. But um, I, I, for whatever reason, I forget what the exact reason was. I think it might've been a time slot issue or something. Um, they basically moved around the release of certain episodes. Um, so it was, it, it aired a little bit out of order and then they had to kind of go back and fix that. But I think probably what was been released, um, what you probably have is the proper release. Yeah, but it's, it's phenomenal. I just love the way it looks and, and the characters and everything. And, and the voice acting is on point. David Tennant is wonderful as Scrooge. <laughs> He really like I, I I was a big fan of the original, you know, Scrooge McDuck voice. So I was really when the idea that, you know, when he had passed away and they were gonna have to recast him, that it was like whoever's gonna get this role has some big shoes to fill. But David Tennant has really just turned he he hasn't he's made the role his own in his own way. So I I really appreciate that. I, I do remember sort of kind of thinking, I really like him, but is it just because he's Scottish? Uh, he, does, <laughs> he does do it really well. Yes, so. he does. So, I mean, as of the changes that they've made, what do you appreciate the most? Uh, well, the fact that Huey, Dewey and Louie are characters, you know, Actual <laughs> characters now. Um, and also um, the improved role of Webby Gale is awesome. Mm-hmm. She's, she's my favourite character. Yeah, and um, as I say, you know, I haven't got that far in so far, but um, um, just like all the, all the guest stars and everything, like one of the first voices I heard... Mm-hmm. Um, was uh, I? I just recognised. I was like, "Hey, that's that's Kevin." But it's um, <laughs> it's the, um, the voice of Captain Holt's husband from um, Brooklyn Nine Nine, or mm-hmm. the um, uh, the uh, demon guy from The Good Place, um, mm-hmm. Mark, Mark Evan Jackson. Yeah, it's just okay. <laughs> Mark Evan Jackson. Gotcha. Yeah. He was just like one of the buzzard guys, but it was like, it was such perfect casting. <laughs> oh, you're you're referring to the uh, to the the board, the members of Scrooge's yeah. board. They're, yeah, they're all. I love the visual pun here. They're all just vultures. Just, just when you know when a little role like that is just so perfectly cast, mm-hmm. you just know the whole thing is going to be. Well, it's just this. There's. If I could summarize DuckTales in the new, the reboot of DuckTales in one word, it would be clever. 
it's just extremely, extremely clever in everything it does, in its visuals, in its, in its humor, in its design, and it's just how it paces the story, and how it goes with this, like, little bit of the way it decides to put some added mystery and intrigue into the, every episode, not just in each individual one, but uh, adding onto an overarching, like, mystery, especially for this first season, which, uh, you know, I, I believe you've gotten to it already at that point since after, because they only show it after this, technically the second episode where they go to Atlantis. Mm-hmm. If I could sum it up in two words, they mm-hmm. would be, woo Yes, there's also that. Clever and woohoo. Um, Cocktails, woohoo! I also love uh, Donald being in it. Yes, because he was like he was there for like a hot second in the first one, and then he just never came back. Yeah, as, well, he, as he was off doing other cartoons with Mickey Donald, Mickey and uh, Goofy. But um, no, yeah, he's an active parental figure to the triplets, which I think is really awesome. And it's I I like the fact that they basically have have a story reason for why he dresses like a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and. Just let's let's be honest. Donald's always been the best of like that original, original crew of Disney characters. Because you know Mickey's an icon, or whatever. But let me ask you something: What is Mickey's personality? Just nice. Exactly. Nice. He's really he's hardly got one, is he? It's just maybe a bit on the maybe a bit mischievous, uh, depending on which incarnation you find of you you find him in but uh i, I think they, they changed it so, with the, the, of the trio, um it's mickey's the nice nice guy the kind of like the ringleader donald's the more temperamental uh smart mouth you know getting into trouble whereas goofy's just goofy, goofy gets into trouble not even by his own volition he just stumbles into it yeah but but Donald's always been my favourite because he's 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 just naturally funny, just the way he talks. It's just yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just classic comedy, basically. And I they I love how they poke fun at how how difficult it is to understand him. I do have to admit, there have been times where like, what what did he say? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the joke. I, mm. Personally, I think that's the joke. But he's fantastic, and I love the that we get to have his interactions with the other, with the other characters, his, namely the triplets uh, along with Scrooge himself. I love the tension that they built between Scrooge and uh, Donald in the beginning that you can tell that they're, they're related, but they're a bit estranged in terms of interacting with each other for uh, an undescript reason. At this I, I read something interesting about how they decided to make the characters of Huey, Dewey and Louie. Oh yeah, and that's the fact that they've decided um, that the way they are always named Huey, Dewey, and Louie. That's also their birth birth order. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so that um, basically their their personalities relating to what or you know whether they're the oldest or the youngest or and the middle child. The attentions. Yeah, Dewey is the attention star of middle child. Exactly. And Whereas, I think that's a, that's a really smart way of giving them distinct personalities. Mm-hmm, yeah. Huey is the uh, kind of straight-laced, uh, you know, everything in its place, um, eldest child who's always looking out for the other two. 
Um, and Huey is just the sassy, smart mouth, lazy, uh, younger child who always tries to get away with, uh, something or other because he is the baby, mm-hmm. which I love. Is that, that was me as a kid. And also I love the, the new spin on Mrs. Beakley is also. She is cool. badass. I love her. That most badass grandma you ever saw. It's just, just, you know, like every decision they've made is just like, wow, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. I have to say, there's, I'm not going to give you the context of it, but there is a line that she has that's one of my favorite lines in the entire show. And I'm not going to quote it exactly, but I was like, it, it was like this, like, I'm a grandmother. I know how to weaponize guilt. <laughs> I think I might have been in it or something. It sounds familiar. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, you'll get to it because that's that's probably came from one of the best episodes in the, uh, from that I've seen thus far in terms of like a particular finale of the of the season that we um, that we got right off the bat every of everything it built to. But it's just it's so it's so smart and clever. I love it top to bottom, and I'm glad that it's continuing on with another interesting season. With dark wing duck. <laughs> with your ring duck, I know for God. That you see, terror, that is the reaction. The that flaps in the night. That is the the uh, the appropriate reaction for when we say dark wing duck. Because unfortunately, last time I I mentioned it, Dan did not react like that, and I said, "Where's Rachel when I need her?" <laughs> I knew that that she would react in the appropriate manner considering the gravity of that statement. No, it's huge. And I love how they've been kind of peppering little bits of Darkwing Duck in the um in in the in the season previously because um because in this show we have Launchpad as uh kind of uh Scrooge's chauffeur slash pilot. <laughs> yeah. And originally he's just a chauffeur who's called Launchpad. Which yes. <laughs> And and like, oh, I'm a pilot. <laughs> Launchpad is the best. Oh gosh, oh, again, who plays Launchpad again? I'm, I'm like, why? Why I'm not remembering the actor's name. Launchpad. I'm sorry. Hold on. Actor. Beck Bennett. Holy mother of God, Beck Bennett. My my hat off to you, sir. You're. You have done this character so much justice. And, um, yeah, oh gosh. Uh, and, and we think we've, I, I think we've pretty much, I, I'm losing my train of thought now. I'm so sorry. But I love this show. Like, I want to keep talking about it, but I don't know where to start. So my brain's scrambling to find something to talk about. And then it, it loses, it jumps to something else. So it's just like, there's really nothing else we can say that you probably haven't already heard of or or if you've you've already heard about this, definitely, you know, keep watching. If you haven't heard this, go watch it now. But yeah, DuckTales is awesome and you should watch it. Yep. And we might, we might just do a a DuckTale focused episode at some point. I would like to do that very much since we're only, we're like you said, we're we're going around and we're going into a a few specific details into it already, but let, I'd say this this is deserving of a full uh, deep dive episode. 
when we've when we've properly prepared on who the actors are and different episode titles and what the order they're in, you know, that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll save that for another time. But if you're a DuckTales fan like we are, then I hope you'll look forward to that episode. Okay. But I think that might just round everything off for today. I hope, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to keep listening to some of our other episodes, uh, any other DuckTales related episodes that we've done in the past, as well as um, also our previous uh, exposure to the, um, uh, Fantasia International Film Festival. That was a particularly entertaining episode to record. And I have to give my hat, you know, tip my hat to the folks at Fantasia International, not just for giving us access, but um, I have to say, oh, compared to some of the other films that I saw last time, this time was a lot, that my experience was a lot better because yeah. there seems to be a lot less creepy, inherently creepy films this time around. If you want an idea what we're talking about, we'll leave a link to that particular episode in the show notes below. But yeah, if you can still follow us and find our podcast on multiple podcast formats, Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast.com, and iTunes. If you would like to continue following us on social media, or if you would like to start following us on social media, we are, uh, Animation for Adults is on Facebook. We are also on Twitter at AFA Blog, on Instagram, and on Pinterest and Tumblr. The latter two, which I'm hoping to give a bit of a, a facelift sometime in the near future. So if you're primarily use some of those formats of social media. Uh, keep your eyes on that. that. That should be getting some improvement in the near future. Um, Chris, where can we find you on this, on social media? You can find me at Mr. Crystal on Twitter. Wonderful. And you can also find me on Twitter at fail to ninja. Um, definitely also want to give a quick shout out to our good friends over at animation nights, New York, who should have a uh, animated short screening coming up very soon. So we'll leave a link to their webpage in the show notes. If you are a filmmaker and want to submit a short film for the, uh, for the any screening, there is a link to submit your film to film freeway on their website. So definitely check that out. And as a rolling, rolling submission and it is for free. So definitely do that. If you want to get your films uh, seen, seen and uh, put up for a screening. But yeah, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the AFA podcast. We will uh, join you next time for the next episode. Uh, we will not sure if it's going to be a general episode or a more focused one, but we will keep you in the know. All right, everyone have a great week. Take care. Bye. Goodbye. Life is like a
weekdays starting at 4 on NBC4. Another school year with so much uncertainty. News 4 is working for you, dedicating important coverage to keeping kids safe at school. Helping you navigate the biggest issues facing parents, children, and teachers. And giving you expert guidance from local doctors and educators. And showing you ways to manage stress weekday afternoons starting at 4. We'll help you get through the school year safely. Weekdays starting at 4 on NBC4. We're working for you. Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.